Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. We're praying you've had a, and are having a good weekend and that God is a major part of, of what's going on in your life. Uh, sometimes we list things vertically. Okay, I got that off, checked off, got that off, and then we give time for God change your direction list those things horizontally and let god be over every one of them you do whatever your hand find to do it do it with all your might with god's aid and god's help and today we're going to do some teaching here on exploring missions sometimes we have interviews and it's a total interview sometimes we'll have interviews and then nathan harper our co-host and i discuss it and then sometimes we do some teaching concerning missions and this is one of those times when we're, we're doing the whole time teaching and trying to get make sure to you, that you know and that if you know, it adds to the responsibility we have as missionaries. Uh, Nathan, I'm afraid sometimes we put missionaries in a class all their own when really being a disciple and being on mission for God are synonymous. Absolutely. And the church, uh, not only are is the church the called out ones, ecclesia, they're also the sent out ones, the apostoli, those that are sent out on mission. And whether you physically travel to a new land and interact with people in a, in a new culture, uh, learn a new language, whether you do those things or not, you're to be actively involved in those things, uh, at least through praying and also sending. But you know what? You could do... Uh, mission or missional activity, and you could do good mission work even wherever God has placed you, where you're at right now or where you might be in the near future. God wants to use you. And and so these missional practices, these uh, principles that we want to share with you are good for everyone and for at all times and all places. So when we enter into Christ, we enter into missions and wherever God leads. Now, God leads some to other places, yeah. but sometimes God plants you where, where you are. And either way, the principles of, of sharing Christ is true. Uh, it's kind of like absolute truth. Absolute truth is true anywhere, anytime, yeah. under all circumstances. It's universal. Yeah. It's universal. The idea of us being missional, whether it's in America where we have freedom right now, and praise God for that freedom, Amen. or... If it's in a closed country that's either Muslim controlled, but because of all the uh, you know the laws that they have, Sharia law, or in a communist country where they're putting it down, the gospel is good anywhere, anytime. And uh, so we praise the Lord for that. So that's what we want to concentrate on. We want to concentrate on the gospel. Now, when missions are involved and in taking it to the world. Uh, praise the Lord for America and its freedom because we've been able to do that. But even in closed countries, they may not be able to go outside the boundaries 
as we do in America, but inside those boundaries, God's doing his work there as well. That's right. And so, you know, speaking of America, historically and even I think still currently, America is the largest mission sending country on earth. Did you know we're also the, the largest mission receiving country on earth? We, we receive the most missionaries from all over the world to America. Yeah. And so God uh, wants to use us, but he's also got a work to do here in yeah. among us. Amen. And that's what Exploring Mission through AFR. AFR has allowed us and Nathan and myself to be a part of part of our our mission statement. Our mission statement talks about engaging, yes, activating and informing, uh, all concerning the issues of the day. But the latter part of that says, and aid the church in carrying out the Great Commission at, 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 at here and home and across the world. And so, Nathan, you and I have the privilege of helping carry out that last part of that mission statement, and we're thankful for AFR for giving us that privilege. And I, I just yes. I felt like we need to say that here on Exploring Missions every once in a while. Well, take us through our Bible study today, okay. Nathan. Yeah, so in the past, you might have uh, been able to tune in or, or catch the podcast where we've looked at Luke chapter 9, and in Luke chapter 9, we had a couple of episodes from there where we looked at the, uh, the model for missions in Luke chapter 9, uh, and we also looked at the uh, motivation, a biblical motivation for missions out of Luke chapter 9. And today, and for this episode and probably a couple more, we're going to look at Luke chapter 10 and see how that kind of follows and flows together. And let me suggest, um, you who are pastoring or small group leaders, these are good ways to, to feed the people that are under you, uh, it's kind of expository, and um, I I didn't necessarily always preach verse by verse. But listen, if you'll do it this way, you will be you'll be missional. If you just select, I want to teach this or select that, you may not be missional in your teaching. But when you go through, like the Book of Luke, if you if you were to teach the Book of Luke. A lot of that's going to be missional, especially when you get to chapter 9 and chapter 10. So I, w- yeah. I wanted to suggest that for our listeners yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Nate. And, you know, we're, we want Exploring Missions, this show, to encourage you and equip you in engaging the mission of God. And so uh, hopefully this will be an encouragement, but especially it'll be a, a time to be equipped. Uh, it's not just a time to listen, but it's a time to listen and then go out and put it into practice. It's not enough just to know, is it? That's right. So Luke chapter 10 Real quick, verse 1. Today we're going to look at Luke 10, verses 1 through 4. Verse 1 says, After this, the Lord appointed 72, maybe your translation actually says 70, 72 others, and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. So the very first words, and I know we've already looked at this in Luke chapter 9, but the very first words here says, After this. And so that's why we went into Luke 9 to see after what. And it was things from like Jesus sending out the 12 onto their first short-term mission trip. And then uh, then we looked at the feeding of the 5,000. And we also looked at uh, Peter's confession and the transfiguration. So a lot was going on in Luke chapter 9. We said Luke chapter 9 is kind of the hinge point of the book of Luke. Yeah. And and this let me make this when you're doing your Bible study, look at those connecting words. They really are important. And after these things or after this, they're very important because you gotta look at them to connect them because God's always connecting us to our life, 
So it's not just practical uh, study, but it's practical living as well. That's right. So you want that context to help you interpret what's what you're currently reading. And so very first thing is to remember, remember what came before. Remember the context. Remember the the things that Jesus has revealed to you. And so then the next point is to realize who is actually sending you. Before you can be sent out, you got to remember, you got to make things right with Jesus. But then you realize who it is that's actually sending you. And we know it's Jesus, but look, just look in these first two verses of Luke chapter 10, Luke 1. I read 1, let's read 2. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And so if you count up the times that Jesus is referenced, it's actually five times in verse 1, and that's pretty significant. I mean, if you say in one, in one verse, in one sentence, and you're saying the same name five times or referencing the same person five times, and how is he referenced? He's referenced as the what? Lord. As the Lord. Amen. Lord of the harvest. Yeah. And in verse 2, you said that Jesus is the Lord. It's his fields. He's the Lord of the harvest field. Wow. He's the Lord of the harvest workers, and he's the Lord of the harvest. It's his harvest. His harvest, his workers, his field. So we better be careful saying about my ministry, my mission. We better be careful about that, had we not? Yeah, we need to realize that Jesus is the Lord, uh, see the reality of who he is, but also the reality of the harvest. And it's an abundant harvest. That's what Jesus says. The harvest is plentiful. And so it's ripe, it's ready, and there will be fruit. It's not an empty harvest field. It's going to be full and full of fruit. You know, if you think about, if you, I don't have one with me or anything, but imagine just one small single grain of rice. If you manage that well and stewarded that one simple single grain of rice and, and you planted it and you grew it and you multiplied it and you continually harvested and, and then replanted and, and regrew these grains of rice that come from that one single grain of rice, you have the potential to feed the world with one single, simple grain of rice, okay? And that's what the kingdom of God is like, and that's what the gospel message is like. And so we are living in a harvest time. You might not look at, around you where you are and see it real plainly, but the potential is there. It's always there. The harvest is always uh, potential and ripe and ready. And so that's what we need to realize that that's an actual true re- reality. It, it, it reflects reality that Jesus is calling our attention to. Hey, look, guys, the harvest is here and it's plentiful. And when Jesus does that, another thing in verse one that I just noticed before his face or in his presence, uh, that's so important. Our, he he has given us our marching orders. They're from him. Yeah. Uh, it's if if your pastor reads this as Nathan and I are reading, this is not from us. This is from him. And and sometimes we are lax with that. We we think, well, I can live with it or live without it. He doesn't. Those disciples that he's talking to and is talking to us, it's it's not an option. It is the command that we go into the area where the harvest will will take place. Absolutely. We're to go into the fields, in other words. Absolutely. So you have the reality of the harvest, and you have an abundant harvest. 
and the potential is there for an abundant, fruitful harvest, but you also have the reality of few workers. I mean, do you see that? The harvest is plentiful, Jesus said, but the laborers or the workers are few. So that's why we're to pray for what? We're to pray for more laborers. Yeah, more laborers, more workers, not less work. You know, how many times (laughs) do we pray for less work? That's not the solution. The solution, Jesus says, is for more workers. And so the work's going to be there. Here's the interesting catch to this. The workers are the harvest. So the harvest is out there ready to be harvested. And when you do harvest the fruit there, what, what is that? It's, it's more workers for more, for more harvest. It's a multiplying thing. It's, a, it's almost a cyclical kind of thought. There. When we come to Pentecost in the book of Acts, you see it, especially the first few chapters of the book of Acts, that is demonstrated in power. In, but Absolutely. it's true anywhere. So if you think about it that way, then work becomes our worship, and a worker is a worshiper. And so what Jesus is really calling for here, he's calling for more worship of the Lord, more worship actually for himself, more worship for God, and for the whole world to declare the worth and the glory of God. Nathan, I've just got to add, ask this, connecting work and worship. To worship without adoring him we know is just not real worship, but worship without being challenged to the work, I would say that's lacking as well. Absolutely. W- would you agree with that? We, we are not, you know, Jesus wants true worshipers. We're not truly worshiping if all we do is show up on a Sunday morning or a certain time of a worship service and sing praises and, and pray prayers and listen to a sermon, and then that's where it stops. That's not true worship. True worship includes witness and walking with the Lord and even spiritual warfare. It includes this work that we're talking about. So today, some of you are listening on Saturday. Some of you are listening on Sunday. And uh, either you're preparing for worship or you've gone to worship. Make that worship complete. I, I used this phrase years and years ago, and it's pretty good. Worship is not complete until the work has commenced. Yeah, and that is that is a true statement. And real worship always leads to service of, of some kind. God should impress upon you a word to say to someone, a a witness to give to someone, a work to do for someone. Uh, it should be one of those. Absolutely. And so, what is the end result of that work that we're doing? It's more worship. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> we adore worship, him. Yeah. Worship is the fuel. It's, it's the starting point for mission, but it's also the end result. It's the fruit of mission. Because <laughs> you can't wait till you can't wait for next Sunday to worship. So you worship right. <laughs> you worship on Monday, even oh, oh, even on even on Mondays when you got to get back into the flow. You can still worship. Absolutely, Amen. So, you know, we need to uh, remember where Jesus has brought us from and who He's revealed Himself to be. We need to realize who he is and and the harvest field, the reality of the harvest around us. But then Jesus goes into the next few verses, some preparatory actions that we need to place, we need to practice and put into place as we are preparing to enter the harvest. Okay, so hopefully we have a proper biblical motivation for missions, which is obedience. We have a model in front of us, which is what Jesus has 
how he's interacting with his disciples and the, and the people around him. And so we have a master plan now Jesus is putting into effect that will show us how we need to prepare as we enter the harvest. Okay, so the first thing we need to prepare for is uh, go back to verse 1, and it talks about the number 70 or possibly the number 72, those others, 70 or 72 others. We need to prepare to multiply. Okay, now where do I get this? Well, if you think about Luke 9, the very first few verses in Luke 9, Jesus is sending out another group of people. How many was he sending out in Luke 9? It was 12. I thought so. I was afraid to answer, but I thought I wasn't looking. He sent out the 12, okay, in Luke 9. Now, just one chapter later, huh. I don't know exactly how much time this is. Luke compresses time sometimes to, to, uh, uh, as a literary device. But in Luke 10, now he's sending out 70 or possibly 72. So you go from 12 to 70. How does that happen? Well, really the only way for that to happen is a multiplication effect. You mean they gathered some people as they went and brought them back and was ready to go out I th- again? I think so. I don't. Regardless of how long it was, it wasn't very long, Nathan. I think sometimes we think, well, we've got to wait three years or ten years and then I'm ready to go. Jesus didn't operate on that timetable. No, not at all. If, if Jesus was doing things today in a physical form where we watched him, a lot of Unfortunately, a lot of church leaders would say, oh, he's rushing into things. That would be a criticism. He's going too fast. You know, Jesus never said really, he never told his disciples, uh, hey, guys, settle down. You know, he never said that. Those were never Jesus' words, to settle down. So it's kind of interesting. So he goes from 12 to 70. Guess what? It doesn't say at 70. There's another group of people that followed Jesus that's uh, numbered and listed in, in the Gospels. Uh, it's actually in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul talks about when Jesus resurrected from the dead, he appeared. You know the number 500. There? I 500 know that 500 at one time. <laughs> and, and so a lot of biblical scholars would say that at any given time, wherever Jesus was, mostly in Galilee, that there were about 500 followers of Jesus around him at any given time. Maybe they didn't collect all the time together at 500. But it was more than just 12, and it was even more than just 70 or 72. There was even 500. Now, after that, there's even another number that's greater than 500 mentioned in uh, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. The very first church, when the Spirit came at Pentecost, you know how many were baptized? Was it 2,000 or 5,000? I think it was 3,000. 3,000, right between them. Now, okay. I, want to do it. I, don't want to, I don't want to take the time to do this, but you can. some of you math people can do the numbers. If you start with 12... Jesus would always send out teams in groups of two, two by two. So you'd take 12 people, divide them into six teams, right. okay, of two each. Let's say each of those six disciples made 12 more disciples. Okay, the teams of six, the six teams made 12 disciples each. You know what six times 12 equals? Is it 70? 72. If you do the same thing with 72, you get a number close to 500. And if you take 500... Divide it into 250 teams, multiply that times 12, you get 3,000. 3, I'm not saying exactly that's how it happened, but the numbers kind of you know, match up a little yeah. bit. So multiplication is the point. We need to prepare ourselves to multiply. And that's in verse 1. But verse 2, Jesus talks about prayer. He says, pray to the Lord of the harvest. 
And he says, pray earnestly. So the word earnestly actually means, uh, in Greek, it means beg. I mean, think about, think about this. If that's, if that's the potential and that's the reality that Jesus wants us to go after, this multiplication of a worldwide harvest, then he wants us to beg the Lord of the harvest for this to happen, for more workers, actually. Mm. And, uh, you know, I challenge myself, when's the last time I literally beg God for something? Like passionate, pleading, earnest prayer. Really for anything, much less for this. And what is he telling us to pray for? More workers. So we are to, Luke 10, 2, we are to beg, pray earnestly to the Lord for more, more workers. We're joining our hearts to God's heart. And then we're looking for what we're praying for. You know, if Jesus tells us to pray for something, like he gives us specifically a prayer request, and we're praying that prayer request that Jesus tells us, don't you think he's ready to answer? He's ready. He's wait. He's ready and willing. Yeah, and we and we will begin looking for the answer to those prayers as we pray that. And what's interesting is Jesus will allow you to become the answer to that prayer. Lord of the harvest, send out more workers into the harvest field. If you pray that, it's a dangerous prayer because uh, your, your prayer might eventually become, Lord, send me. I'm I'm a worker. You're sending out into the harvest. Nathan, yesterday I was traveling and met. Someone at the airport I wasn't expecting, and it was a young man. He's not young anymore. He's a grown man, and but I was his pastor when he was a child and when he was saved, and I was baptizing him. And he said, I want to tell you the rest of the story. And he shared with me how God is using him even today in discipleship and making a difference. Sometimes we don't know that, and you don't know that. Uh, I think that's one of the things that's going to take place in heaven. We're going to see the difference that you made, but also the difference you could have made. And I think that's one of the times he's going to wipe wipe away our tears when we see the potential that we had and we didn't use it. So what we're doing is encouraging you to use what God has given you to be involved in the harvest as a laborer. Absolutely. That Luke 10, 2 prayer, you can can actually... uh Set your alarm on your cell phone to go off every day at 10.02. You've and done this, right? I've done this. I've challenged myself, and I would do this every day, twice a day, 10.02 a.m., 10.02 p.m. I'd pray this prayer. Lord of the harvest, send out workers into your harvest field. And you know what? God made me an answer to that <laughs> prayer, and he sent me into the harvest field. Yeah. And what's really interesting, if you look at the wording here, Jesus says, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. Who is the Lord of the harvest? It's Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is giving a command for his followers to pray to him to send out workers into the harvest field. Guess what Jesus is about to send these guys out to do? Into the harvest field. <laughs> They're becoming an answer to I'm going to let prayer. you answer your prayer. <laughs> exactly. And, Amen. That, and that's, that's a dangerous prayer, but it's a good prayer. So I would encourage you to pray that. Now, we're also to prepare, uh, not just in prayer, we're to prepare in and our mentality of seeing the harvest field, but we also want to go where God sends you, where Jesus sends you. It says they were, uh, these workers were appointed, okay? That means they were chose for a noble task as, as like an ambassador. And so their identity then was, was in the one who sent them, and that was in Jesus. And so that's our identity. Our identity is not in the work we do. Our identity is the one who sends us out to do the work. Uh, they were sent. That means they had authority. So the, the authority that Jesus 
has was given to them to go out and do the task he gave them. He has, they have his authority. They represent or represent the Lord in doing what Jesus did. That's their, that's their only, you know, that's their model. Do what Jesus did. I'm going to go out and do that. They're going to carry his message, say what Jesus says. And you know what? That's our, that's our task. Still hadn't changed? No. We, we do what Jesus did, and we say what Jesus said. So that means spend time in your word. Amen. Amen. The word of God. Amen. Now, really quick, I know we're getting close to the time, but this is a very interesting and I think it's a cool thing. Verse 3, he says, go your way. Okay. Or, you know, the word there in Greek for go or go your way is ekbalo. Ekbalo is the Greek word that's always used when Jesus or anyone else is casting out demons. So it's a forceful casting away. Okay. In other words, Jesus is telling these guys, okay, go, get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> uh, and he's going, they're going forcefully with power. They're not in their own control. They're under the control of Jesus, under the authority of Jesus. So where are they to go? Well, it says to every town and place that he himself was about to go. So they were to go to the towns and villages to the homes where Jesus was going to follow up and go, and they were to go and announce the kingdom. Uh, we'll see that later, but they were to announce that, hey, the king's coming through. So that was, that was their job, their, that was their task. So the Lord had a plan, and immediately, his immediate plan was to reach Galilee. This was happening all in Galilee, the northern part of Israel. But the ultimate plan was not just to reach Galilee, but was to reach the whole, whole world, world and even the Gentiles. Now, there's a difference in, tw- in our mission now and, and the mission of the 70 here. In Luke 10, they were going to go ahead of Jesus where he was going to follow up. But now when Jesus sends us out today, we go, but guess who's already there waiting? Holy Spirit's the Holy already Spirit. been sent. The Holy Spirit has already been sent. I got one thing to say about verse uh, verse three. As lambs among wolves, mm. we're to be dangerous lambs. That's right. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, roaring lambs. Roaring lambs. I hope you're a roaring lamb. I hope in you're letting Jesus Christ change you, use you for his glory. Nathan, thank you for taking us through this ministry of, of how God wants us to enter the harvest. He is the Lord of the harvest. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior... He's sending you out. And in your world, wherever your world is, and we're to change that world. Again, thank you for listening to Exploring Missions here on the American Family Radio Network. We appreciate you being involved in missions, and we pray that you would hear the Lord of the Harvest say, get out of here, get into the world, and make a difference. In Jesus' name, we pray that'll happen. Amen.